the Guardians of the Galaxy are back for one last ride. Today I'm talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is uh, the last in James Gunn's trilogy with these characters, and I think it's fantastic. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I think it did pretty much everything I wanted it to do, which is why I found it a bit strange that there's been such some middling reactions. Like, I don't know, I think... A lot of people expected different things from it, or they had been away from the characters on their own for so long that they didn't really have a good grasp on everything. So yeah, so without further ado, let's get started. There's been a lot of talk in movie and entertainment discourse about Marvel or superhero fatigue. The general idea being that audiences are tired of these kinds of movies and want to see something different. And considering the reactions to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and the most recent Marvel show, Secret Invasion, it's easy to see why. Combine that with Barbie crossing the billion dollar mark this weekend and Oppenheimer raking it in as well, it's really easy to lean into the narrative that superheroes are done. And almost on cue, at least earlier in the year, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 lands on Disney+, Plus. here to say the problem isn't quantity, it's quality. With Star-Lord still reeling from being snapped back into existence into a world without his version of Gamora, the Guardians of the Galaxy have set up shop in Nowhere, where Rocket, Nebula, and Mantis are trying to hold things together. But Peter Quill is forced out of his funk when Rocket is attacked and left on death's door, with barriers to giving him life-saving treatment. To save their friend, the Guardians will have to carry out a series of brazen heists, including some assistance from the new Gamora, and save save Rocket from the being who created him, the High Evolutionary. I've made it pretty clear in my previous reviews and pieces that I'm a giant fan of both of writer-director James Gunn and his previous Guardians movies, and frankly, everything else he's worked on in recent memory. That said, I imagine a lot of people looking for an earth-shattering or paradigm-changing movie are going to be disappointed, because that's not what any of the Guardians movies are about. They're always about the team. Movie 1 is about the group getting together getting over their collective baggage to work together, bond, and work for a common goal instead of themselves, and moving towards getting over some heavy trauma. The second film is about facing a lot of that trauma head-on, and the third is about change and growth and the what actual change and growth looks like. For instance, it's people trying to be better and hanging on to what they have and discovering who they are, which is contrasted by the high evolutionary who wants to man- manipulate everything to fit his version of perfection and is completely unable to see that he's like every other Marvel villain. And because this is a James Gunn movie, we're going to blend a bunch of offbeat banter and physical comedy gags, fun action beats that highlight each character's unique skills and a number of unique and excellently crafted locations, and a heavy dose of sentimentality as he wraps up his trilogy. And here's my highlights. First, we have Rocket's story. Of the Guardians, Rocket has been the least fleshed out, at least in terms of how he became what and who he is. Essentially, all of the Guardians are all victims of family-related trauma. See Gamora and Nebula's horrifying competitive childhood, Peter Quill's complex parental situation that's also kind of Mantis's parental situation, and Drax losing his daughter to Ronan. All we've really known is that Rocket was made how he is. 
And as it turns out, his backstory is heavy as hell, and really leans into our villain as both an arrogant eugenicist and an animal-testing asshole. Being an animal lover myself, these bits are a rough go, emotionally, while also demonstrating that CGI characters can be just as impactful as human ones if you treat them seriously. Also, big time warning for you animal lover lovers out there, because this one is designed to break you. It's also, without being too heavy-handed, explains why Peter and Rocket are of the same ilk, and also what makes Rocket special. We also have fun new additions to the action. Another reason I love James Gunn is that he likes to blend the meat-and-potatoes approach to action filmmaking, aka gunfights, blades, and fisticuffs, with new challenges, unique locations, and fun blends of his character's abilities. For instance, Groot and Nebula now have upgrades, so now Nebula can fire off laser blasts or create a sword with her hand, and Groot tries out new things like having a ton of limbs along with his general tank-like qualities and vine attacks. Likewise, someone like Mantis, you might assume can barely fight, gets to show her mettle by using her psychic abilities and emotional intelligence to great effect in the middle of giant battles. I'm also a giant fan of how she basically moves along like a ragdoll all the time, and that's before we get to things like the single take action scene folks have been talking about. In simpler terms, you can do a lot of you can tell a lot of planning and thought has gone into figuring out how the action will fit with the characters and what they can do. We also have the right kind of sentimentality. A weird complaint I've heard about this movie is that it's too sentimental, which did you not realize that all of these characters were formed by trauma and maybe a nice emotional payoff would feel right? Also, none of this is unearned. Whether it's the payoff to something that happened within the movie or within these characters' journeys within the MCU, Gunn is clearly trying to give all of his characters some semblance of peace with their underlying issues. They're all making peace with their demons and accepting new things and challenges. Familiar? Yes. Sentimental? Absolutely. The difference is that this is earned and not forced. The verdict is it's a fitting send-off. While it may, some may ding the movie for feeling less fresh than the original, Volume 3's investment in its approach and characters pays off in big ways. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.